Welcome back to Dan Daly Commentary and Executive Insights Videos. Uh, we're continuing with our discussion under the title Macro Issues 2023-2024 and Beyond. Uh, in part one, we discussed the various macro and strategic issues that impact your company and uh, in our opinion will continue to impact them over the next decade and beyond that are not necessarily day-to-day operational, corporate operational issues or are they government issues, but they are critically important and ones you must deal with. Very quickly, climate, artificial intelligence, global politics, all right, affirmative action, short-term political horizons, uh, all important things and we're going to start to discuss them today. But I want to share with you that uh, some interesting comments we had from our listeners and readers, etc., uh, regarding the first thing when we discuss these various categories. And one thing came up which I thought was very, very interesting. When you're talking about leadership, whether it's leadership on the board, whether it's leadership in the corner office, when you're talking about macro issues, you can't talk in terms of one year or two year. These macro issues are decade and beyond. So as primarily a senior board member, you have to say, do we have the team in place at the board level uh, in a leadership capacity? And even more important, do we have the leadership in the corner office to deal with issues that you have to start dealing with now and put the mechanics and the structure in place that you'll be dealing with them over the next 10 plus years? Basically, what is the horizon of your leadership in terms of its ability or willingness to tackle some of these absolutely critical macro and strategic issues. Could very well be part of an awkward conversation, but one that's got to be hit. Don't bet on a horse that's only going to be in this race for the next 18 months. It happens. It's no reflection on credibility. It's no reflection on ethics. It's a practical matter. If a project is going to take 10 years and somebody's only going to be around for a year, they probably shouldn't be leading that project. Okay, the comment there. Second comment, which I thought was also very good, it was um, it was all of these issues that I just discussed uh, before, and I think there's five of them if I count them. Uh, what about forming a committee? Rather than burden the board with all of these issues or assign them perhaps the wrong place within the corporate and management structure, why not consider a committee that might be uh, uh, reporting to the board or overseen by the board that's composed of certain board members, but members of management at the senior level and uh, perhaps down throughout the organization that discuss and deal with these issues. So they don't have to be the final say, but they can be very valuable keeping track of these things. It gets them involved. Uh, they're out in the marketplace. They're talking to clients. They're talking to employees. They're going to bring something into these issues that simply having them report to the audit committee or the governance committee, they're not, you're not going to get the same amount of information. So consider and discuss, starting at the board level, should we have not necessarily a committee composed of the board, but the board having a seat or two on that committee and having people from the management structure also doing that. But it's got to be formal. Uh, it can't be casual. It isn't a gossip thing. It's got to be structured in terms of who's on it, and perhaps you rotate those people. Don't have somebody on it for two or three years. Rotate the people, have a structure of when they meet, 
and somebody is responsible for putting together the agenda, et cetera, et cetera. So it's got to be formal. Why? Because these subjects are very, very important. So two issues. One, do you have the leadership in place, and is that leadership going to be in place for a long enough period of time to work on these multi-year, conceivably decade-long challenges, okay? Second, consider how you're going to deal with these issues in an efficient way so that you don't kill the board or you don't kill a particular segment of your management team. So that's what we got there. All right, let's go, let, let, let's go, with, uh, let's go with climate. Uh, we talked about it beforehand. I think the key thing with climate is that you have to agree that part of it is man-made, part of it is cyclical. That's the end of that discussion. But it is critically important because it is creating risk to your company and risk to your workforce, and that can't be denied. Whether it's, whether it's fire, whether it's flooding, whether it's tornadoes, etc., these impact your workforce because they're terrified where they live, uh, or you've got a particular plant that in uh, two years is going to be underwater, or uh, the town burnout around them. Uh, all of these things are going to impact you, and they're climate-related. They're climate uh, are you going to run out of water? All right, that, that for some companies is, is very, very significant. So how are you going to deal with climate? And the naysayers, frankly, I wouldn't waste a lot of time with them. People are going to have different opinions. They're going to say uh, it impacts this part of the country. Uh, tornadoes are, um, are more important than wildfires. But that's fine. Have that discussion. But you can't have somebody say, no, no, it's really not important. It doesn't impact us. How can it not impact you? If the water level is rising at the rate that it is now, there are certain facilities that, plain and simple, they're going to be underwater. You can't manufacture underwater. So climate is very, very important. And I think there's the perfect reason we get a lot of different people at the board level, in the management team, and outside consultants. No one person is the only quarterback. Pa pass around the ball and the various authority. So, all right, that is climate. Uh, artificial intelligence, okay? Uh, not a new issue. It's been around, but it really took off with chat uh, GPT or whatever it was. And now it's on everybody's mind. It's going to change. I think, frankly, it is going to be a paradigm shift. But the question is, looking at your company today, how does it impact your company? Well, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. How can it impact your company positively in perhaps making your workforce and your product delivery or your manufacturing more efficient? How does it threaten it? Because your competitors have it, but you don't. So you have to look at AI in terms of where are you today relative to it? What is the advantage? What is the risk? All right. And what is everyone else doing? As I said in the previous session, part one, don't do nothing, but don't underreact and don't overreact. Very interesting thing recently in the Wall Street Journal, and the title of the article is Courts Could Hold Key to AI's Future. Um, very interesting. And it said some of the things to consider, uh, whether you're impacted by AI internally or you're using etc., the risk and liability of defamation. You use AI and you put out a story about someone's product, someone's company, or an executive, and it's not true, you can't say, well, we, we didn't really do it. AI produced that story. Not going to be acceptable. So defamation. The other one is copyright. All right. AI vacuums all of this various information. Some of that is going to be copyrighted. You turn around and call it your own, 
and I find out you're calling it your own and I had it under copyright, see you in court. So copyright's another one. The other one I thought was very interesting was responsibility. It had to do with the medical community uh, and they were uh, analyzing claim awards and claim uh, payments, et cetera, and, man, it, it, and, and uh, used uh, AI to assess them. And there were several hundred thousand and they weren't reviewed by doctors and several hundred thousand were wrong, were wrong. The AI program did not do a good job and screen effectively on who was deserving. And in some cases, those awards or payments were already pre-approved. So tick, 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 here come the lawyers. Responsibility, uh, if AI has done it, then somebody of responsible at the level. You can't sue a computer, but you sure can sue the board and senior management, all right? The other one which I thought was good was privacy. If you're sweeping up all this data, uh, and that's the basis for uh, generative AI, you better be careful where you sweep it. Because if you're sweeping it from young children, and that's illegal because of the circumstances, you've got a real problem. If that AI is taking in all of this data and it violates various state or federal privacy laws and you've got it in your AI uh, structure, you've got a real problem. So just quick review, risk from defamation, risk from using copyright, Third, responsibility, okay? You cannot say the AI made me do it, and the third is privacy, all right? So uh, I think that's kind of an interesting thing, one of the, one of the nice summaries I've seen. Uh, some of the other suggestions are that uh, you put a watermark on anything that's printed with AI. Frankly, I don't know enough about watermarks. But another one was you say that this particular product or this report or something was generated using AI. Now, if it falls under defamation and uh, violates privacy, it doesn't matter that you say it's generated by AI, but at least there's some protection. Uh, you say it's generated by AI. Another suggestion was when something comes out, let's say it's a white paper or product, you put down this was generated by AI, and here are the sources from which AI got that particular information. So it gives you a little bit of coverage from a legal and a liability standpoint, but it still doesn't excuse defamation, copyright, responsibility, and privacy. So we're just having discussions on AI, but I thought this one was particularly good because it kind of focused on where is your risk. And the risk, as I've said tongue-in-cheek before, it isn't a cartoon or character of the CEO. All right, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking, we're talking about something much more sophisticated that you really can't deny, and you're probably going to use it. It may be uh, just as, as simple as something regarding the management of your warehouse. All fine. You can't ignore it. So don't ignore the AI, but don't underreact and don't overreact. I just thought these were all very, very good issues. So that's, that's AI, and forgive me, I thank the Wall Street Journal. A very good article. And that was in the Wall Street Journal on Thursday, August 24th, if you want to look it up. All right, so that's, that's, that, that, that's AI. Let's go with uh, <clears throat> geopolitics, all right? Uh, tremendous amount going on, tremendous amount going on. And you say, well, I only do business in the U.S. Well, that may very well be true, but I can't help think that some of your clients or some of your suppliers are functioning in the global economic environment. And if they're functioning there, you've got to think 
about what are the impact of what's going on, uh, what's going on with, with, with Russia and Ukraine. Would you ever go back to Russia? What is the risk involved in that? Would you ever go back into the Ukraine? Uh, what, would, what would be the capital investment required in Ukraine? And let's be very realistic. Uh, it was a matter of days ago that uh, the head of the Wagner Group, forgive me, Yevgeny Prigovich uh, uh, was shot down in his plane. Well, this was the fellow who was head of the Wagner Group, was uptight with Putin, was involved in Africa, was involved to a lesser extent in Syria, and was leading the Russian effort in the Ukraine. He didn't like the, the head of defense, didn't like the head of the, uh, the military, uh, was very verbal about that, and actually, uh, two months ago, started a move against Moscow, heading up the road with tanks and troops, etc. Uh, that didn't take place. It stopped and uh, was declared a mutiny that didn't happen, and he kind of disappeared. However, they shot his plane down, or it appears they shot his plane down, when? 60 days to the day, 23rd of June, after he made the march on Moscow. So keep in mind, this guy Putin is a tough guy. He knows where he's coming from. He's not afraid to eliminate people. How does that impact your company? Getting out of Russia, if you're not already there, trying to sell your assets, considering a return, and how does it impact, how does it impact? Very, very tough guy. And if we look at the Ukraine battle, we don't want to get too much involved in that now. It's a real tragedy, but it does highlight the impact and importance of some of the products that were grown or developed in the Ukraine and shipped worldwide. And frankly, I've gotten uh, much more uh, knowledgeable regarding the importance of the Black Sea and how that impacts transport of grain, etc., raw materials uh, from the Ukraine, from those surrounding companies, out through the Black Sea into the Mediterranean. And if the Russian uh, Navy is a major factor uh, in the Black Sea, well, just go through the uh, straits and uh, you're out into the Mediterranean. So geopolitical, very important, and let's not, let's not be naive and think that President Xi of China isn't watching every step that Putin takes in the Ukraine and every step that the U.S. and its allies in NATO take regarding the Ukraine. Why? Because he's thinking, how would they react if I moved on Taiwan. So uh, geopolitical on a daily basis may not impact your company, but there's no way uh, the world and communications as small and fast as it is that these things could not and would not impact your company. So that doesn't change how you operate your company, especially if you demand, but you've, you've got to be aware of this. You've got to be aware of, of, uh, of, of geopolitical. Uh, another one, is the Supreme Court decision regarding uh, affirmative action. When the Supreme Court decision passed several months ago, we said very bluntly, these activists are not going to start stop with just targeting educational institutions. They're going to move to corporate. And they did, and they're moving to corporate now. They've got lawsuits against uh, two international law firms granting fellowships that they say violate the Supreme Court decision. So they're serious, they're around, you really have an unlimited number of corporate targets to go after. Now, what should you do? Uh, you can't automatically overreact and say, we're going to be a target because there are thousands of companies. But if you're big and you're very visible and perhaps you're rich, 
you might very well be a target. But I think every company has to go back and say, okay, uh, with advice of counsel, again, don't ignore, don't underreact, but don't overreact. What ways and what is the possibility of that decision being moved over to the corporate environment? Now, just because an activist group brings a lawsuit doesn't mean you're going to lose it, and it doesn't mean that the Supreme Court decision absolutely applies to a totally uh, different sector. That's not true. But the question is, do you want to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and have a big lawsuit sitting out there that maybe you'll win, but who needs it? Lawyers cost a lot of money. So I think there has to be kind of a closed door with appropriate advisors. What is your risk all right, if an activist were to move against you saying, perhaps incorrectly, that the Supreme Court decision applies to your hiring or your promotion policies, etc. Hiring and promotion, how does it apply? It may not at all, but you need some discussion ongoing, all right, uh, of can it and how, where's the risk? Where's the risk, all right? Again, don't ignore, don't overreact, don't underreact. Don't be one of these people, oh, we've got to change everything else. Now, probably you'll have to look at your hiring policies and just as important, just as important, your promotion policies based on training and advancement in your company and say, how does that look externally? And don't be publishing quotas and policies. It's nobody's business. You should be prepared to defend your policies, but you don't have to put them out publicly. You don't have to do that, okay? Even if you're receiving federal funds, federal contract or something, you don't have to publish that all the time, but you have to be aware that if the appropriate authority asks, you have to be able to provide that. So are your policies defendable? Not that they're perfect, not that they appear uh, to mollify the activists, but are they realistic and are they defendable? So that's, a, that's affirmative, that's affirmative action, all right? Uh, another thing which is uh, very important, and it's a tough subject, and we're talking, and we refer to it in part one, uh, national politics. Uh, we are very concerned about the risk to our core democracy uh, that may very well be presented by a very divisive upcoming presidential election. Now, I'm not going to take a stand Republican, I'm not going to take a stand Democratic, but, I mean, this is our country, all right? Divisiveness does not work in this. It doesn't work at all. So the question is, what do you do as a company, all right? Uh, and I think it was very interesting, uh, if I can find it. Um, uh, my, uh, two of my sons bought me uh, Ron uh, Chernow's uh, book on Grant, General Grant, uh, which is a, a heavy thing, a thousand pages to read. But it was very interesting. When Lincoln was up for re-election, all right, Grant played a pretty much a neutral role because he was uh, essentially the um, uh, commander, uh, commander of all the, uh, all the forces uh, in the Civil War. And uh, so the election was coming along, and he wanted to make sure that all of his troops all right, were able to vote in that election. And if they were from a state that could not uh, allow absentee ballots, absentee ballots, as best he could, he allowed those troops to go home and vote in their respective states. So very important. This is General General Grant in 1864, whatever it was. And the other thing was, all right, that there was no uh, meetings, 
no political parties, no harassing troops within the service. Same thing you've got to have in your company, okay? If somebody, if somebody walks in and wears a button for ABC candidate, not sure you can do uh, anything about that. But if they're holding discussions and rallies on company property, whether it's in the plant or in the parking lot, not acceptable. You cannot take material away. I mean, you shouldn't be taking material away. But anybody who is preaching and politicizing uh, in the work environment, that's not acceptable. Now, to what extent do you publicize that? That's really up to you and you get it for it. So again, again, can't ignore it. Don't underreact. Don't overreact. But you cannot have political discussions, in our opinion, uh, regarding this upcoming uh, presidential election. You cannot have discussions in the workplace because there are going to be a lot of people that have very specific opinions. There's going to be a lot of people that just are very neutral and they're going to be threatened by that type of environment. So you have to have an environment in your company that every worker is comfortable in and they feel safe in it. And one of the ways to do that is just say inappropriate to have any political meetings or those discussions on company property. Doesn't have to be banning buttons. Uh, you may want to do that, but that's not what we're saying. We're talking about really meetings because they can be divisive. They can be threatening to your workforce. Uh, some of your clients may not like your stand or the people's stand. So it's, again, it's you don't have to allow those. Okay? There's no law that says you have to, okay? But that's something you should be thinking about. You close the door. Uh, you bring in a few senior executives. Uh, the board talks. What is going to be your policy? Because I think, regretfully, this is going to be a very tumultuous 18 months uh, leading up to and after this particular. I may be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But uh, I certainly didn't like the disruption and divisiveness that I saw at the recent Republican debate. I thought the candidates did a very credible job. I was horrified by the audience, yelling, screaming, booing, that type of thing. We, we, we just can't have that here in America. It's threatening to our democracy. So those are the issues. Climate, artificial intelligence, geopolitical, uh, affirmative action based on the Supreme Court decision, and national politics. So that covers it. Uh, these are all issues that, frankly, don't make any money. Uh, but they could damage your company. They could damage your workforce. So they cannot be subjects at every board meeting. It will not work. That's why we say offline, perhaps a committee. You can't ignore these, but they can't impact your day-to-day -day production, your sales, your pricing, your supply line, whether you want to do emergent access. All those responsibilities have to continue, and they're the responsibilities of the board and senior management to run the company in a way that is positive to all the stakeholders. But these issues, and maybe this is unique, maybe it isn't, we feel this is unique, having so many of these issues present at the same time that can impact your company. So what we're, what we're saying is don't deny them, don't overreact, and perhaps, perhaps a committee dealing with those and discussing those that would report into the board might be the best way to handle it in a very peaceful, non-distractive way. The other thing, and I'm repeating myself from the early on discussion, do you have the leadership in place that will deal with all of these issues that are not going to be resolved over the next one to two years? And if you don't have the leadership, and by that I mean 
is the CEO and the senior management going to be around long enough? Are the, is the leadership of the board going to be around long enough? Do you have the right team in place? Are they going to be around long enough to deal with these issues? Because these are not six-month issues. They are macro in terms of the impact. They are strategic and they are multi-year. So perhaps a committee, that's what I'm hearing, okay? Uh, and also the tenure and commitment. And that doesn't make, that doesn't make someone a bad person. If they're going to retire in two years, that doesn't make them a bad person. It just means they should not be in charge of a five-year project. That's all I'm saying. So, good discussion. Uh, a lot of input from some of our readers and viewers. We want to thank them, and I hope you found this interesting. Again, it's just it's another burden, another responsibility that you, as a member of the board, or you as a senior management, have got to think and keep current on. You have to run the company. You have to be concerned with corporate governance, but these also have to be particular factors. So thank you very much and the best of luck. We look forward to working with you and talking further in the coming months.